but the, the bumper hung down way too low and I've got a huge ass. So I, I needed to just get rid of it and we'll just, I'll hand make one myself someday, but sure, get sure. that drop, I'll put them on get that drop. That that's a reminder for myself to, to get a, uh, a drop oh, of you say, <laughs> and audio. I've got a I got a huge ass. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be a good for a new show intro. (laughs) Oh, F off, Josh. My Jeeper, I'm Josh. And on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I've got details surrounding a six figure settlement from FCA for a single Jeep. We have what has to be the biggest winner of the infamous Lemon Law here in this one. And was it revenge or mistaken identity? We look at why a Jeep caught fire. We also look at why Stellantis is buying power. And later, how to shut up the clanging of your Jeep. Well, Jeep manufacturer FCA US LLC recently agreed to buy to agreed to a buyback settlement rather totaling nearly $170,000 for the owners of a single Jeep with dangerous defects. Back in 2021, plaintiffs Maxwell and Veronica purchased a new Jeep Wrangler Unlimited rather for approximately $65,000. However, within 2 months of their purchase, the pair began experiencing a series of dangerous defects in their new Jeep. On several occasions, the transmission failed to engage, causing the engine to race without the Jeep moving. When the transmission did engage, it would jump in and out of gears without warning. At times, the engine even failed to start after extended cranking. Other problems began to appear as well. The fuel pressure sensor failed. The power control module shorted out, causing the vehicle to lose all of its power. The suspension and steering components loosened, causing loud clicking, cracking, and ticking noises. The Jeep's owners repeatedly took their Jeep to the dealership for repairs. Despite several opportunities to do so, FCA, US, LLC, and the dealership failed to fix the problems with the Jeep. Problems that substantially interfered with the Jeep's use and its safety, obviously. Now, after just 10,000 miles, that's not a lot, 10,000 miles, the Jeep's owners had had enough. They claimed FCA US LLC seeking they they uh, seeking reimbursement for the purchase price of the defective vehicle under California's lemon laws. And reim- a reimbursement or buyback is one of the remedies available to vehicle owners who can demonstrate that they received a lemon that the manufacturer hasn't fixed after a reasonable number of repair attempts. Other remedies such as replacement vehicles and repayment of associated costs are also available for some plaintiffs. In this case, the Jeep owners worked with California Lemon Law attorneys and settled the Lemon Law claim for $169,999.99. We'll just call it an even $170,000. Mm-hmm. FCA additionally agreed to pay the plaintiff's reasonable attorney fees, costs, and expenses as provided by the California Lemon Law as well. That's crazy but- making. That's that's a lot of money for one Jeep. So you buy the Jeep for sixty five thousand. Okay, fine. Ten thousand miles later, you've had it up to here. You've been in and out of the dealership a bunch of times. Stuff's yeah. breaking. Stuff's not working. You're obviously having issues. Uh, a lot of them safety related and stuff. Okay, I get it. Totally, hundred percent. These people are well within their rights. Hundred and seventy thousand dollars, though. Come on. It's Cal- it's You're- California's lemon law. That's exactly what they do in California. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't get it's, it. So what? $100,000 for for pain and suffering because you couldn't start your vehicle one day? For for yeah. 10,000 miles, give me a break. And for under 10,000 miles. I mean, yeah. So and this is okay, so this is 2021. At some point in the last year and a half or or, or thereabouts, I I'm guessing, less than 2 years. So th- this just settled. Obviously, um, you know, they, they at one point, 10,000 miles, who knows how long it took them to get to 10,000 miles. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're not driving your Jeep all that much, you know, who knows? It probably took a little while, but uh, I don't know what kind of mileage they were driving on a daily or weekly, monthly basis. Nonetheless, 10,000 miles on a Jeep, it's not a lot of miles. They probably did it within a year, um, maybe maybe 16 months or something like that. Who knows? Nonetheless, let's say it was 24 months to the day two years that you were dealing with this issue i don't think that dealing with this issue for a sixty-five thousand dollar jeep deserves a hundred and seventy thousand dollar payout but nope that's just no i mean i think a replacement jeep or the uh, refund the price of the of the the jeep itself do you know yeah. in this in the story did you did you read anything about them buying another jeep with that hundred and seventy thousand dollars and they no, could buy two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at that price, definitely. Parts. So no, there was no 
no, no, uh, no, uh, no notice of that, or you know, even you know, last names or what city they exactly they were in, anything like that. Um, so, nonetheless, uh, I mean, this this is legit, and this this payout did happen. So, there it is, man. That that is just exceptional to me. Now, I don't mean to, to for this to be a political statement, but you know, Jeep is not doing business in China. Uh, anymore could california be the next uh communist country that <laughs> it, it may be on something there it's very possible i mean i'm sure that they're making lots of money selling jeeps in california and, the, and the, it probably doesn't hurt them with these kind of payouts but if this was to happen very often i could see uh jeep legitimately saying well we're just not going to sell them here uh yep. i mean could you imagine i mean the other manufacturers that were uh, that we're selling in that uh, in California would love that I'm sure, especially uh, Bronco, uh, the Ford Broncos and stuff. But well, especially shipping ports in California with the numbers of vehicles that are coming on and off boats, uh, uh, you know, in 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 California docks. I mean, it would be imagine it, you know, having you know hundreds of thousands of Jeeps coming through your state, but you can't can sell a single them. one of. Them. I can see them, but I can't have it. Yeah, people yeah. people would be traveling to adjoining states that didn't have a lemon law like this. And don't get me wrong, I think lemon laws are good. But I think that they should be, unless there's some sort of injury or something, which I think would be a different type of lawsuit, I think well, that there ought to be limited to the amount that you paid for the yes. vehicle. Well, and also, too, the problem with this passing that it did, there's going to be a plethora now of these types of attorneys oh, going yeah, after anybody absolutely. and everybody who's had a problem with their car. Payday. To try to convince them to get a lemon law because it's payday. I mean, to me, that's where... The real crime is, is that it's just, you know, ridiculous that the judges decided to do this. And it's also just going to open the floodgates. So that's California. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You'd be driving down the freeway and it's be, is that an abandoned amusement park, daddy? Yeah. It's like, no, that, uh, that was a former Jeep dealership, honey. That's. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Are you ready? It's the Jeep Dog Show. With Wendy, there will be body damage. Chuck. I like making people laugh. That's it's good for my soul. Chuck. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. Make sure you're checking out our newbie nuggets on our flagship episode on Tuesdays. I talk about all kinds of topics for the newest of Jeepers, and sometimes. I talk about what happens to us on the trails. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. But it's best whenever your bill runs out of fuel. We'll just say that. Best one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to put that down. Never. I'm going to have to have that, that episode memorized and just start putting it out there. People can go back and listen to it. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot I was supposed to say something. I haven't really been paying attention. And oh, yeah, this is Chuck. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tony, and I want to remind you that we now have four episodes a week. There is so much love about the Jeep Talk Show now. There is so much to love about the Jeep Talk Show now. Lots of fun and entertainment four days a week. And now, back to the news. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Okay, the moral of this story? Don't drink an arson at the same time, maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. A, a Goose Creek, South Carolina man is behind bars accused of setting a Jeep on fire in North Charleston last Thursday. 37-year-old Nathan Fish faces charges of third-degree arson after police say he started a woman's vehicle on fire on Rivers Avenue. North Charleston police were first called to the residence for a disturbance at approximately 10.37 p.m. on December 8th, according to the incident report. Now, arriving officers found Nathan being belligerent after he kicked the window, a windshield rather, of a Jeep, in addition to smashing a, gu a guitar on the vehicle. Yeah, that was his show closer. 7.30 show, completely different from the 8.30 show. And according yeah. to the report, the owner of the Jeep said that she didn't want to press charges. Oh, it's that of kind not. of relationship. Yeah. <laughs> officers were called uh, back to the area, shocking, an hour later, because now the Jeep was on fire. Oh, goody. Upon arriving, officers found a Jeep Cherokee nearly fully engulfed in flames. The incident report states that Nathan was walking around the Jeep fire as North Charleston firefighters were trying to put the fire out. It's unclear if he was in the way or just in the vicinity. In the back of my mind, though, I can picture him doing, you know, around the, around the Jeep. He's prancing and, and skipping and uh, that sort of stuff, admiring his work. <laughs> I, I have no idea, though. 
Regardless, North Charleston police detained the man and noted that he smelled quite strongly of alcohol. Gee, you no. don't say. No. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Firefighters determined the fire started in the back of the vehicle. Investigators also noticed the suspect's suitcase was outside of the vehicle, but the owner's belongings were still inside. I don't know how that happened. The woman who owned the Jeep told authorities that Nathan had threatened to burn her car and her house down during an argument earlier in the day. Just top of the earth kind of people. A court date well, has not now, yet been scheduled. <laughs> and is she is she pressing charges now? I mean, is this enough evidence well, for her to that's, that's what I'm wondering if a court date has not yet been scheduled, but the man has been booked on arson charges. I mean, I don't know. I think I think the DA is going to step in at some point. Just yeah, be like, ma'am, we've got this from here. We'll take it from here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But you know, she's so actually lucky that nothing else happened to her. I mean, this oh, is no, the next this could have gone sideways you know any mean? number of different yeah. ways. Yeah. He's probably he's yeah, probably all- been like that, and she just needs to break away and get some help. I think to help get herself away from this man. It's scary. Oh, but they're so in love. I, I, I have a a picture of the of the man, um, uh, you know, his booking picture, uh, mugshot, uh-huh. if you will. Kind of um, looks like a bass. It got quite <laughs> he a does shiner. actually. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Quite he a actually, shiner. He looks there, like a big uh, mouth bass. Yeah. yeah, with that big fat lip and yeah. his eyeball. So I'm wondering if maybe she didn't pop him a couple of times or something. <laughs> maybe he's justified. Might have been some justified police brutality. I don't. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the man's that drunk. I think he's drunk and fell down <laughs> repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So, so Josh, you triggered me a little bit on this I story. Like when guys like this get their ass beat, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've said yeah. it before, and I'll say it again. It's it's not legal. It's not right. I know, but some of these people, especially the ones that pick on children and uh, women, uh-huh. need to be put in a room full of sweaty men and dust beaten. And beat. <laughs> <laughs> so that they yep. under, it may not change good, anything but they need to, yeah they need to understand what it feels like yep. to be have no uh, say in what's being done to them i i really like beating up bullies and that's exactly what guys like this that's what they are mm-hmm. i really enjoy it mm-hmm. so uh, josh i was saying you uh, you triggered me a little bit on this story when you said goose creek because Goose Creek is a, a town that I, uh, I, I grew up very near to and actually is the town that uh, Gary Busey, the actor, oh, was born in. Except it was <laughs> Goose this Creek, like Texas. <laughs> so there were several, Boy, little, the, there were several little towns. Creek. Yeah, there were several little towns uh, that were very uh, close adjacent to each other. And I, I guess they joined in, incorporated or whatever, into Baytown. Texas and Baytown, Texas is where I, I lived uh, for a good 24 years of uh, the beginning of my life and uh, uh, just outside so, of Baytown, actually. So, uh, but uh, it, it, it had not incorporated when Gary Busey was born. So he was born in one of those, those little towns that now makes up uh, Baytown, Texas called Goose Creek. So that, that particular goose or goose geese, they, they get around, I guess, huh? South Carolina and Texas? I'm really surprised. Saying? I'm really surprised to hear there's more than one Goose Creek. And I, and I challenge anybody to search for Baytown. There, uh, as far as I have found, there is no other town in the United States, and there's lots of towns that are next to bays. <laughs> there is no town named Baytown, Texas. There is a movie about a mythical place or a, 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 a fictional place called Baytown. I think it was Baytown in Louisiana. Uh, that uh, that had the who's the guy that goes mm-hmm, uh, the sling blade guy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so uh, there's a movie about Baytown but it's not Baytown Texas anyway Baytown's a, a big place for Exxon it's where the b- b- huge refinery is uh, for Ex- uh, Exxon well thanks for all that useless information Tony oh that's what we're here for <laughs> <laughs> regular wow. Cliff Clavin over here I know timely reference. Well, how about this? Jeep agrees to buy power, and a whole lot of it. Automaker Stellantis, uh, Jeep's parent company, has signed the second largest corporate PPA or purchase, uh, power purchase agreement on record in order to pr- uh, procure 400 megawatts of new solar in Michigan under utility DTE's Energy's MI Green Power program. 
With its particip participation in the utility program, Stellantis will be able to attribute 100% of its electricity use at 70 Michigan manufacturing and office facilities to 100% solar by 2026. That will reduce the company's emissions in North America by 50% and across its manufacturing facilities by 30% overall. The clean energy commitment represents the second largest corporate PPA on record and the agreement with DT Energy represents enough clean energy to power 130,000 homes each and every year. Stellantis committed to a 2021 plan that called for the addition of self-production and on-site renewable energy generation across its global manufacturing operations and this new commitment represents a step towards reaching that goal. This kind of uh, just a little light bulb Maybe it was a large light bulb came off of my head when you're talking about this, Josh. So if this particular plant goes or they're going to solar, they don't need electricity. Mm. So think about all these other people, mostly government, trying to push us into this electrical world, electrified world. It's because they're afraid of solar. Because solar is cleaner, probably, and doesn't require them to be dependent on electricity. No, but because the electricity is going to be produced within the state, I believe there's some laws and, and regulations that say the state is going to get a little something-something out of that. So, mm. you know, it's not going to be tax-free energy in, in that sense. And I'm, but I'm sure not. that there are, there are tax incentives as well uh, for the land development and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, mm. you know, the other side of this is that, well, at least from what I understand... 99% of these solar panels that are, are, you know, being used in these giant solar farms are coming from China anyways. Oh, so it's okay. not like, it's not like a lot of this is going to be, I mean, they're going to spend millions, if not billions of dollars just on the, the, the equipment alone. That's mm -hmm. not including the transmission lines. It's not including the, the infrastructure, the land development, you know, it, it, the people to run it, you know, the any dusters, of that sort of stuff. Because you got to go out there and wash those uh, solar cells, you know, got to dust them off. Somebody's every so out there with a lot of Windex. That's all I got to say. That's right. So you, uh, I just want to point out that it's, a, it, it's enough power to power 130,000 homes or three, for a year. or three Tesla yeah. chargers for a year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> except they're coming out with a new battery so maybe not <laughs> See, this is why i have a gas-powered blender yes <laughs> how do you hook it up to your ass i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> never so no ever I, see this josh have you ever seen the solar panel um like uh, dumpster piles <laughs> i don't know what about the uh where Crashy. when they go back yeah, the trash piles or whatever. You ever see all these solar panels that get damaged or whatever, and then they have to go and just throw this crap that in the wind farm, the junk, the the amount of trash that this stuff it's produces when it's it goes horrible. bad. It's I, I would like to see numbers on that because I'm sure it is it is staggering when when people are just like, oh no, I'm I'm a hundred percent proponent of solar. It's just the best thing ever, and the wind too, and yeah, yeah, no. And then they see just how much of this crap is in landfills and, and exactly what it's doing to the soil when they're in those landfills and stuff. Yeah, no. We got a, a bunch of these big wind farms out here. So uh, up and down Interstate I-84. Those are called a politicians. Big major, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, big major uh, freeway that goes east to west uh, here in, uh, I mean, I'm sure it goes halfway across the U.S. But um, you, you see a bunch of those, those big, uh, propellers, you know, for the, for the big, uh, w uh, you know, windmill for the wind farms and stuff, those things, uh, wind generators, uh, those things are, I mean, they're massive, huge. I mean, they're probably like three or four semi truck long, uh, you know, the truck and trailer combos long. I mean, they're gigantic. Uh, those are always going up and down. Cause it just, I mean, another half hour, 45 minutes up the freeway for me is, uh, is one of these giant wind farms, right? Just adjacent to the, uh, to the gorge. Uh, and, uh, and there's a, a massive amount of wind that comes down the gorge constantly. And so they put up a wind farm out there and, and, uh, and yeah, they're, they're constantly having to, the things are breaking down, they're catching on fire, uh, the, the propellers break, you know, all this sort of stuff. So there's constantly stuff that's coming out of those things as well. Well, Jeeper, what do you think about all of this? You seeing any of this stuff too? We want to hear what you have to say. You can give us a response by, well, uh, by phone or by email for that matter. Head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You can find out all the different ways that you can reach out to us here on the show. Let us know what you're, th what you're thinking. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast.
Hey, and be sure to tell your friends about the 4x4 Radio Network as well. Tons of great off-road shows there. And if you haven't checked it out yourself, well, it's time to head over there right now. The number 4, the letter X, the number 4, and radionetwork.com. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. You're going to find the web's best off-roading podcast all in one place and all for free. You've got the On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the Jeep Talk Show, even the world-famous 4x4 podcast is there as well. It's all in one place, it's all for free, and we'll see you there. 4x4radionetwork.com Hey, hang in there, Jeeper, because coming up in Tech Talk, if your Jeep sounds more like a trolley, then Josh might have a fix for those noisy D-rings. Oh, you people to complain about the D-rings bouncing around. I just, they I just, are a pain. Jeeps, Jeeps are noisy, damn it. Buy a Cadillac. Uh, but you don't <laughs> need to have D-rings making that noise, trust me. <laughs> Tony's out in the driveway. It's like midnight. He's just sitting in the lawn chair. Ding. Clang, 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 clang. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is written by weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. Been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. So uh, I think you guys know the drill. You go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to become a paid subscriber. But the thing I'd like for you to focus on is going over there and uh, clicking on the uh, share, uh, the social media share. If you do, if you go over there and click on the social media share, uh, and then you can see all the great images that have been created, ads, if you will, for the Jeep Talk Show, because we want more listeners. We want more, especially listeners like you. So if you go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, just scroll on down through there. You'll see all kinds of ways to reach us uh, there and uh, also to how to get to these images that we want you to share. And the, the images are, are square, so they're perfect for Instagram, Facebook, uh, probably even Pinterest. Put them anywhere, and if you wouldn't mind, add the hashtag Jeep Talk Show and really any other hashtag you'd like to add and anything you'd like to say about the show in the text. But please help us out. Please help us uh, generate word of mouth and so we can get more listeners here and bring you guys more content and just do more great things for you, the listener. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. In episode 724, you talked about a Jeep Compass that was fleeing from police and uh, took out two cop cars by ramming them. Yeah, it was a Jeep Compass. So I'm guessing the uh, <laughs> patrol car was either a Fiat 500 or if it was a canine unit, it could have been a smart car. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling because sometimes I wonder if the pants I'm wearing makes me look fat. And then I realize it's all in the jeans. Oh, my gosh. All right, boys and girls, man, that one was bad. I'll chat with you guys later. Bye. You know, you know it's bad when he's saying it's bad. You know it's bad when Nikki G feels guilty. Because I, exactly. I think Nikki G could be sitting on the toilet taking a poop, staring at you, just like dogs do, you know, and not yeah. feeling guilty about it at all. I could feel the regret on that one from here. So, yeah. It's- <laughs> oh, it's great. Love having Nikki G on. So, so what? what is, I'm, and I apologize, Nikki G, I always get it wrong. Uh, it's the ten minute off road uh, podcast. Is that uh, that's his show? Yeah, for people with short attention spans. Yes, exactly. Yeah, ten, ten minutes. minutes. He, he, he's in and he's out. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. All right. So anyway, that's Nikki G. We love him. Got to have him. So uh, happy New Year uh, and Merry Christmas, Nikki G. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! If you've spent much time out on the trail, you've undoubtedly heard vehicles who have steel bumpers with recovery points typically consisting of a clevis or D-ring shackle. These invariably will swing back and forth and clang against the face of the steel bumper, making it ring out like the Liberty Bell all day long up and down the trail. Clang! Clang, clang, clang! How'd it go? 
Something like that. <laughs> now, there's no getting around the typical clangs, clunks, and other noises typically found on the trail or in the rocks from any given off-road rig. I'm pretty sure we haven't reached the stage of stealth wheeling yet, but still, there's no reason to be that guy when out with your Jeep off-road. So if you have loud D-rings, there's several options out there to shut them up. The first is going to be choosing any one of the 10,000 options out there for the go-to off-the-shelf solution. These are called D-ring isolators, and there's a bunch of them out there. These are typically a plastic type of material that is molded to snap on to the lower portion of the D-ring, isolating it from coming into the metal-on-metal contact of the bumper face. These come in all sorts of colors, too, to match whatever theme that you might have going on, and some are even molded with interesting patterns to set them apart from other competitors. The first generation of these was no more than a couple little plastic U's that you snapped on. Now there's different colors and different materials, and some are now even coming with washers to further help the isolation, and that's where we find our DIY solution that I myself have been rocking for years. Now, I shopped for the isolators, just like you probably have, and decided that I can better spend that money elsewhere. Yes, I know, I'm a cheap bastard. And I know that these things are cheap, but, and especially now, uh, over 10 plus years ago, well, the price was a little bit more, but I needed something else, and it had to cost next to nothing. So, I found myself in the hardware store, one of my favorite places to spend a little time. I always end up finding solutions for this or that just by slowly walking up and down the aisles, letting my imagination go wild. I ended up selecting, I ended up selecting some larger diameter industrial uh, type of washers used for larger pipe fittings. Now, these are about an inch and a half or so in outer diameter and range in thickness, but the inner diameter for you only has to be large enough to fit over the threaded stud of your D-ring. Now, the ones that I have are way larger than what they really need to be, honestly, but it was the price that I liked the most. And these were like 25 cents a piece. Now, I had some washers for that kind of price that I could take up the slack of the shackle on its mount. Now, typically there is a metal stud that protrudes from the bumper or a plate that is mounted on the bumper itself. The stud has a hole through it that the D-ring is then threaded through. You know how these things mount. There's usually space left over between the inner edges of the D-ring and the outer edges of the stud. These are the spaces that will get filled with the washers that I'm talking about. Now, my bumper design and the D-rings that I have ended up with, uh, they only needed one washer per side. And even then, it was a tight fit. I mean, these washers were a good, you know, eighth inch, three sixteenths inch thick. No, nothing to really shake a stick at. These were some serious washers. But I was able to get everything in. Now comes the part that many may argue about. Now, I torqued the living snot out of the shackle at this point. The clamping force of that large threaded bar of the D-ring will clamp down on those washers with substantial force. Now, have you ever wondered why there's a hole in the finger handle of that threaded bar on your D-ring? Or the lock. Well, that's for you. <laughs> that's for you to stick a screwdriver through to get some extra rotational force by. Now, using a tool like a screwdriver, you can get a couple more turns out of the shackle stud. You want it to tight enough to where the D-ring no longer moves freely, but can still rotate if it was forced to. Now, it may take some back and forth, a little bit trial and error, but you'll find the sweet spot. And for less than a few dollars, you now have quiet D-rings and a custom solution that you can brag about. And you didn't even have to put any colored plastic on it to do it. Well, I think this is a, tr a trick that even something Chuck would approve of. <laughs> now, other solutions that don't work quite as well or would last as long would be things like 550 cord and wrapping the shackle itself. Now, this would probably look pretty damn cool, and it may even prove to, uh, you know, work for a little while at least, but it also may prove to get in the way if you were ever forced to actually use that D-ring in a recovery situation. But I'll leave that up to you. Another solution would be tool handle dip. Now, it goes by the brand name Plasti Dip or Rubber Dip, and it's an air-dried coating that is used to refinish the handles of old tools. Now, it creates a rubberized coating that is bonded to the metal. Think of it like bed liner or undercoating, but way more rubbery. Now, it may be possible to find a way to get a D-ring dipped multiple times in this stuff to create a nice, thick, sound-isolating coating that also looks kind of cool. This, of course, would likely be torn off in the course of a serious recovery, but still, it may look cool until then and be easy and relatively inexpensive to reapply and fix. Zip ties, large rubber bands, hell, even tying a sock around the D-ring would work, 
although that may send the wrong message to somebody behind you. Now, let me know if you have a different solution than these for DIY D-ring isolators. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. It's a great idea. I mean, a lot of people have, or they buy the shackles and they live with that sound. It's crazy. Whenever I got the, uh, the gladiator bumpers, I uh, ordered some D-rings and I went ahead and ordered red ones, you know, because it's important to have color matching. And uh, I specifically ordered them without uh, the noise isolators. And they came with them anyway. So, of course, I yeah. use them. And, and, you know, it was kind of a pain in the ass. You remember when we were out at the event, Josh, and, uh, and I, I pulled over there to, uh, to try to pull somebody out. And uh, we needed to take one of the D-rings off to do something. Uh, first off, I had to break out the screwdriver because, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. lose one like uh, an infamous uh, uh, past uh, co-host uh, did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to go through that embarrassment. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was kind of a pain in the butt to try to get that thing uh, off there. Uh, but it, I think it's a lot worse whenever you uh, need a D-ring and you don't have one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and some of these uh, plastic uh, D-ring isolators, they're a bit of a pain in the ass. And over time, they, they lose their flexibility. They become a little bit more rigid, if not brittle. You try to take one off, and it just breaks in, off in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I mean, yeah, okay, you can get, uh, you know, I think Amazon has the Rough Country ones for like 8 bucks. I think Quadratech sells their own brand for like less than 7 I mean, these things are cheap. I mean, you're still going to have to pay for shipping at the, at the end of the day when it comes to, you know, things like that, If you, unless you can get, you know, your, your cart up high enough. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, you, you spend eight bucks on something and then you got to spend another 10 bucks on shipping or something like that. You know, who knows? But I'm saying for a trip to your hardware store, which is going to be what, less than a five minute drive for most everybody, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So you could do it on your lunch break, on your way to work, on your way home, whatever. Uh, stop into the parts or in the in the uh, hardware store. Spend two or three bucks. Oh, n- now you got some for for spares even mm-hmm. uh, enough to share with your friends for that matter. So yeah. So I was recently uh, over at uh, uh, Greg's uh, Underground uh, Graphics uh, with uh, with Bill, uh, one of our team members, Bill, and I noticed he didn't have any D rings on his uh, 392 uh, <gasps> G- JLU. And and I, of course, and of course, I had to ask him about it, and he said, "Well, I don't see any reason putting D rings on the bumper uh, unless you're doing a recovery." So I was curious. Uh, I don't remember about your Jeep, your Scrambler, Chuck. Do you have D rings on the Scrambler, or do you just have them available in case you need them? Shit, I don't even have bumpers on the Scrambler, man. Like, if you don't get stuck, you don't need this shit. <laughs> So that's a that's an interesting question. How do you recover the scrambler if you don't have uh, places a uh, uh, toe points uh, for for the scrambler? I mean, designated. I mean, any any places a toe point, depending on how much damage you want to live with. But uh, what do you do when you try and when you have to recover the the scrambler? I use the winch. I just winch myself out. See, I I don't go. Remember, I don't go wheeling with anybody. I always go by myself. There's nobody there to attach to me. So you always so recover just, forward. I have to right now. Yeah, I'm I'm custom making a rear bumper, but I just don't have, I just don't, I just don't have it now. I I had a bumper on the back that these were integrated in with it, and the little things that uh, Josh was talking about the washers it came on that, but the, the bumper hung down way too low, and I've got a huge ass, so I I need to just get rid of it, and we'll just I'll hand make one myself someday. But sure, get sure. that drop. I'll put them on then, but I'll do what. Get that drop. That that's a reminder for myself to to get a uh, a drop oh, of you say. <laughs> the and audio. I've got a huge, I got ass. A huge yeah. ass. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good for a new show intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, f off, Josh. God damn it. <laughs> you couldn't say. Hey, I'm always I'm always yeah. in producer mode, buddy. I'm sorry. I yes, he's yeah. looking for ideas. It's yeah. awesome. Look at that. We're all sharing. So we're we're thirty five we minutes in, Josh. <laughs> episode 732 35 oh, minutes son in. of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> this is why i don't pay attention to this show god damn it so on the on the cj5 on the cj5 i actually used you can use like um so on like on a car uh trailer they've got the rings that are welded into the sides oh, i actually yeah. used yeah. the I used those because they were way cheaper than than doing these back in the day when we built the uh, the CJ5, and they are so freaking loud. Like anywhere I go with that five, you are right, 
Josh. It clinks and clangs and dangs and bangs, but they're you can't get rid of them. They're welded in place. Right. But the the yeah. loops still swing. But um, yeah, it. Good night. They're they're no for, for you. Some a more a more uh, a permanent type of solution is going to have to uh, have to go into place. Uh, and I, I got a couple ideas I, I could share with you, but we ain't got to get into it here. So those rings, are they pretty, uh, I mean, I'm sure they're strong, but they're, they're relatively thin. So like if you were to take uh, some fuel line uh-huh. and split it, uh, or cut one side of it, could you use that to, to dampen the noise? No, no, the ring's about as thick as your thumb. I was gonna say they're, they're probably like rebar. They're probably, you know, half inch, five eighths, you know, somewhere around there in diameter. Yeah. Okay. Well and then solid steel. Like, yeah, yeah. Then use they're uh, like a heater hose. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to do a damn thing. I'm just going to let them clink and clang. <laughs> I, well, no, I, it doesn't bother me at all. Oh, I was going to say, well, stop rem- complaining about it then. <laughs> oh, damn it. All right. Jeez, man. I got a big ass. There you go. That's at 37 minutes, 44 seconds, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> noted. Doubly noted. <laughs> Wendy's going, oh, God, I'm not ever speaking again. <laughs> Staying out of this one, you guys are doing just fine. <laughs> well, do you have anything to add, Jeeper? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk or uh, something you'd like to add to this one. I'd, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on DIY D-ring isolators. I'd just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Christmas is my favorite time of year. Oh, sorry, wrong button. Don't miss our interview with Dr. Pamela Gay where she remembers her Jeep. Sometimes it's just the little things that make you so proud to be a Jeep owner. I, I remember in Boston going to a grocery store a bunch of the parking spaces were filled with snow piles. I'm just going to park <laughs> on top of that snow pile. Did I mention she's a famous astronomer? Not expecting to be recognized and had people ask for my autograph. And and to me, I am a dork on the internet. Unfortunately, Pamela had the wrong color Jeep. No, I love my green Jeep. Hey, coming up, uh, well, tomorrow, actually, episode 733, Julianne from WranglerHer.com. It was a really fun interview, and uh, uh, Julianne was uh, out at uh, SEMA. Uh, Chris uh, met uh, Julianne out there. She was out at a uh, Four Fest event uh, recently, and I believe she's going to be back out uh, for uh, Tom Zielinski's uh, Four Fest uh, winter event. Uh, coming up, uh, I think it's uh, may- maybe January. Man, I wish I had looked that up. I saw it the other day. But uh, if you're up in the uh, Michigan uh, area, uh, that uh, might be an event that you want to go to. Just go to fourfestevents.com and uh, check it out, the uh, Winterfest. All right, Chuck. Uh, I think uh, yeah. Josh would like to know if uh, you have a plan of action for fixing the tub that you've just really abused repeatedly uh, with uh, either yeah. one or more rocks out on your ranch. And this is for your 81 Scrambler. What are you, you going to do to fix that? I mean, first off, are you going to punish the driver? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I told my wife to spank the driver. So <laughs> she's going to do that Jeez. when we get done here. And then... Uh, yeah, I, I have a, a total plan of action. Um, first and foremost, I'm going to put new springs on it so I can go farther than I've done before. And then to fix this tub, I'm going to build a whole nother Jeep. Yep. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's not, 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 wow. not what I was expecting. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. So <laughs> back up a couple steps here. We we have we have a cursed corner of your of your CGA scrambler. Two. Uh, it's I mean I mean it's it's Four. mildly munched. Not not what I would talk about a, a total total uh, a total loss of a tub here. No, uh, it's not like it's completely tacoed here. Definitely repairable. But yeah. your solution is to say f that. I'm going to put this Jeep up on a shelf and I'm going to build me another one. No, no, you added the shelf part, Josh. <laughs> no one said anything <gasps> about putting this Jeep up on a shelf. The only thing that I'm going to do with this Jeep is put new suspension underneath it. Then I'm going to build another pretty Jeep. And then the pretty Jeep, I really am going to try some self-control and not crunch it. And then this ah! one, well, <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry. It I, I, it just, I, I know you enough. I know you enough. And I, I'm not saying I know you like my brother, but I know you enough that I, you know, best laid plans and lofty all that. I wish goals. you had best of luck that's in that, not sir. happening. It's a lofty yeah. goal. Let's just put it that way. You, 
Josh, if you if you even knew what go went through my head, you would know I've got a ton of self control, man. Oh, like I'm, a ton. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, sure. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, because we don't hear half of it. So, so uh, everybody knows that the '80s Jeeps, you know, AMC was just not doing very good in the early '80s. So their sheet metal is incredibly thin. So if you spit at it in the right direction, it's gonna dent. So. Uh, I, I actually just went and weighed my scrambler, and I found out that my scrambler, the original scramblers were like, I don't know, 2,500 pounds or 2,400 pounds. My scrambler right now weighs in at a whopping 4,300 pounds with all of the, uh, the, the bigger weights and everything wow. I put in it. So I have to be really cognizant of that, you know, because, I mean, you start to get up that, that high on these Jeeps, they're real narrow. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut the tub out all the side like I did on my CJ5 and then grab 3 16 plate. And I don't like uh -huh. the bolt-on corner guards. You know, the people will call it armor. I don't really like the looks of that. And then I'm always really worried about the, the two pieces of metal together. Like if you don't have really good coverage, that is for sure going to rust, you know. And even though the scrambler is kind of a rust bucket, kind of a piece of shit, I still don't want to do that. So I'll probably cut all of the body out and then re-weld 3 16 plate in where the old tub was. Does that make sense? And then, you know, grind it all off and smooth it off and then hit it with a, like a single stage paint or something and make all of the crunchiness go away, but also have the armor required to do what I do with it. So that's, that's kind of the goal with this Jeep. Would okay. you would you weld the corner guards on and, and get a good seal yeah. on there, or maybe put something behind no. it that keep the water out? Or no, that that I'm not a good enough welder to get a watertight seal on something like that. And that's just because you. I, I have the the fuel filler neck that's going to go in it. I've got you know the Frenched in lights that are going to go in it. You, I already have the. I guess they're not Frenched in. They're just you know trucker lights. The they're like you would see on the back of semis. I have those in my jeep that are all flush you know an led so even if i do weld it to the outside of the skin of the tub it um there's always going to be able to get water or moisture in there and i do drive this jeep you know all the time you know it doesn't matter what the what the weather is so if you just go through and absolutely cut it out and then you fit all brand new body panels in that are 316s does that make sense so, uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I know that you don't like getting stuff off the shelf. Uh, I don't know if you can see the show notes the, um, that we have. I'm, gonna, I'm throwing an image in there for, uh, for right. people who are listening to this to, to, uh, uh, to follow along. There's a company out there called Genrite. Um, they, they have a pretty good reputation. They actually, have, they actually have CJ corners is, made out of 316 inch solid steel plate. Right. So this is this is your bolt-on body armor. That's actually for a CJ7. So it's very hard to find stuff for a CJ8 because they're nobody really wants them, right? And they're they're kind of on the AMC kind well, of the the hardest Jeep to buy, right? That's kind of where I was going with this. This is 316 steel. This could then replace instead of, you know, getting welded on top of uh, you know, eliminating that that worry. This is a stretch version for the for the CJ7. Get you a little bit extra wheelbase. But since the CJ, since all the the geometry essentially is already there, I'm just wondering if you couldn't use this as a template, extend it out for your CJ8 length, have a good starting point, and and already have you know the bends and the and the holes and the wheel wells, you know everything else already all perfectly bent and and, and laid out for you. I, I've already done this with my CJ5. Uh -huh. When I when I when I dovetailed and boat sided my CJ5, I just took the tub, cut it all up where I wanted it, and then grabbed three sixteenths plate and actually molded it to like what you're seeing right here, which is just a single single rounded edge. It's really not that hard. Right. And then everything else, you just kind of cut it where you want. But this is a bolt on application. Absolutely, very very common. Really really cool to do. I know a lot of guys that do them. This is the CJ7. They do make a CJ8, but they're incredibly expensive. You can almost buy a whole new tub for them. And I, I really enjoy just kind of grabbing a, you know, a five by ten sheet of it, and then mm -hmm. uh, just making it myself. I really, really enjoy it, and I love it that no one knows it's there. So, like on my CJ5, 
I like just hit rocks real, real hard on accident. You know, I don't go out there and just try to beat the shit out of my stuff. And people go, holy crap, you know, what's your tub made out of? Oh, it's three sixteenths plate. And you can't tell. You know, you actually have to like put your hands in there and start feeling up underneath, you know, the wheel wells and go, holy yeah. shit, this guy literally integrated body armor into where his tub is. And I'll probably do that with this one. I am going to be building another one. I've already talked to a, um, a guy about it and we're getting some numbers and we're kind of finalizing some stuff. But I think I'm going to keep this one and this is going to turn into my wheeling, wheeling, wheeling Jeep. Well, I, I was going to say, I hope you don't get rid of it. I've always liked the liked that scramper from the first time that I saw it. You put it down all the mm-hmm. time, and I think it's really cool. And and actually, uh, you call it a piece of shit, uh, but uh, the, sure. the 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 when you're running into rocks and things like that, it's just uh, it's not something I'd want to do with my Gladiator or even my XJ. But it kind of gives it a little character. The 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 scrambler has right. a little more character with the with the damage on it. Right. And I, I'm real excited about the, the, uh, the, the springs. I know Josh and I, we talked about it at a roundtable episode and we, we, um, we were actually talking about the Alcan springs. They, yeah. they have something really cool called the orbit eye. And, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see how that's going to work. It's going to add another 48 inches or no 48 degrees of movement in the, in the spring. I've never seen it before. And, and, and for a guy like me that kind of knows the old spring stuff, I'm I'm real excited to see. So I'm hoping, and that's why I went and got the the Jeep Wade. Is Whoa. when I talk when I talk to him, he Sorry, said, "Hey, Chuck, I'm just looking. I just looked you, up this orbit eye. That that is really cool stuff. It's sexy, isn't it? So I'm going to put that. That on the is ramp. awesome. I already ordered. It's it's in route. And uh, he said, t- he said, I cannot build your springs lest I know exactly what each axle weighs. Yeah. So I went in, I went into the local elevator. They know me in there, you know, just call them up on the CB saying, Hey, get my front axle Jeep and then my rear axle. And, uh, then I did a, uh, an analysis. I actually was like, okay, what was the original Jeep weight? I weigh more than twice of the scrambler in 1981. It's I I'm twice the weight now with the motor, the welder, air compressor, the torch set, yeah. the transmission and transfer case, all the goodies that are underneath this crunched ass tub and was like holy crap so i won't have that california rake anymore it's actually going to pick up the front end because every spring that you can buy over you know online is for oem weights so that's kind of neat man I'm, I'm pretty excited about getting that like i i actually i want it before king of the hammers and if if i don't have it before king of the hammers then i'm going to take my old like an old flat fender over there but if i do have this the, this jeep back up on the road I'll probably take the scrambler to King of the Hammers to go play around with Matt. So, Chuck, I think we had uh, talked about this uh, on an earlier episode, uh, and I can't remember if uh, if you were going to do this or not, but I had suggested getting an aftermarket backup camera uh, to go onto your mm-hmm. radio so that whenever you're you're backing up, you can see those rocks and stuff. Have you checked into that yet? Yeah. No, no. I know exactly <laughs> where they are. When I, when I stop, I know where they are. So this time, I actually wasn't going backwards. I, I was I I just followed the trail through. I didn't try to get out right there, and I, I I'm still befuddled on how it happened. So I was you know coming down. It's about a three foot drop, and as I was turning to the passenger side, you know I'm making sure that that driver's side tire is going right inside this rock. And the rock, while I'm down on the ground, is probably five feet in the air, sticking out probably another two feet. And if you think on the radius of your turn. The rear end, if the front corner just passes it, the rear side, you should be pretty good. Oh hell no, man! I hit that driver's side back right at the at the where the 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 tire is, you know, the cutout for the wheel, uh-huh. and drug that rock all the way back, all and like half ripped off the t- the uh, license plate off the back corner. <laughs> and I thought, Jimmy Chuck, I was really happy that my <laughs> wife had gotten out and walked away. Like she still hasn't seen it, and I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> that reminds me, Josh, just a bit outside. <laughs> John, yeah. but outside. <laughs> so, what, what are you guys? Because uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, so, I'm sure that we have listeners out there who have no idea what. Somebody explained this Alcan. Actually, Chuck, you ex- explained this Alcan Orbit Eye thing. Alcan's Orbit Eye, because this looks this so, looks sketchy to me. <laughs> no way. So, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. Uh-oh. 
Yeah. So it, if you can think of, you know, the old leaf springs, you know, on the end of the leaf, you just have a bushing with a, uh, like a, you know, what is it? Metal sleeve in there. Yeah. Three, yeah. Just a three eighths bolt that goes in there. That's hard bolted to a shackle. And that shackle allows that spring to get longer or shorter. And that will then give you your arc of the spring. One side of the spring is held fast and tight. The other one now can move forward and backward. And that allows that spring to go up and down, right? Well, the problem with that is, is as your spring physically gets shorter, like the length will get shorter from eye to eye, that allows that spring to drop. On the other side, as the spring goes up, it actually is going longer, right? That, that's just it's just physics and geometry. Okay. Well, if you've got a frame that is straight and an axle now that is at a different angle, it's not parallel, that is putting a bind on that spring. The ends of those springs are actually trying to flex in or out, depending on if it's the one going down or the one going up. So that really binds up the movement of your spring. So what these guys have done is they have taken like the end of a, help me out, Josh, like the end of a, um, not a tie rod, an end of a, a three link or a four link. They've I was going to say, this is, this is almost like in incorporating a Johnny joint into oh, the yeah, eye that, of a leaf spring. I like that. It is similar to a Johnny joint. So yeah, so that's it, what they're so doing. you still get, so that yeah, you thing, still get that through bolt. Right. So that thing now is pressed into your spring, and, and it, it was an extra $500 oh per end. $550 per end just for the eyelet. So we're talking two grand for a fully leafed uh, Jeep? Good God. More, oh, no, no, you would only you that. do this on, 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 uh, yeah, on two ends on the front and two ends on the back. So it's on, on the end, I mean the front of the Jeep and the back of the Jeep. So it's like $550 for the front and another $550 for the back by the time you get the custom oh, shackle. okay. I thought you were talking about so, for each spring. I was like, gosh, no, dang. And their, their rock crawlers have them on both sides of the spring. Now, I told this guy, look, I do 80 uh -oh. miles an hour down the interstate. I need to still be <laughs> yes. stable. Yes. So what we're yes. doing for mine, and of course... This is 100% custom made. I tell them what my weights are. I tell them what I use this rig for. I tell them the torque pattern. I tell them what my gear ratios are. They know everything about my Jeep. It is 100% just for Mr. Fredericks with the shitty scrambler. Okay. Where the spring attaches to the spring mount or the fixed part is normal. That means that that spring can no longer move like goofiness. And then the front where the shackles are, they're custom-made shackles. These are actually custom-width springs that I'm getting. I'm not going with the stock CJ springs. I'm going with much wider. The shackles are over three inches wide. So they're incredibly Dang. wide. And that allows, and it's a, it's a double wrap. It's a, what's called a military wrap spring, right. which is incredibly strong. That allows this thing to have like 43 degrees 46. of flexibility. Um, that's 46 inches of articulation. No, so 40, 46 de degrees of articulation, according to their website, the manufacturer. Yeah, I'm not Sorry. talking, I'm not talking articulation. I'm talking angle of the shackle versus the spring. You see, cause when a shackle is bolted to a normal spring, they have to be, they can't deviate. You might get three to five degrees. Because that's a hard bolt in there, right? So it's not allowed to flex because your bushing right. is keeping that, that bolt from moving. This has an eye in there, an eyelet, that that bolt now can articulate. And it'll, it'll um, not articulate because that's the, that's the height. That, that angle will flex back and forth, allowing that spring to deviate from where the shack if the, is, that, is that making any sense, Tony? Yeah, but what's the benefit of it? Uh, what's the because you, you're saying I was thinking articulation. Uh, if it's not articulation, what is the benefit? It's allowing that spring to move at an angle, right? So, so if you take your your frame and, and from from driver side to passenger side, and you take your solid axle driver side to passenger side, while you're sitting there in a non-flex state, they are parallel. When you start flexing it, now that frame wants to 
No, oh, the, the, it wants the, to twist uh, the, the axle spring. Moves. Yeah. So it's twisting the spring. This allows 43 degrees of twist, which allows for more drop. Because if that spring can't twist, it can't physically get shorter or longer either. Right. There is a limitation. Gotcha. All right. So uh, it so, might be a novelty thing. It might be a novelty thing. I might get it and call you guys and say, hey, on the next episode, let's talk how shitty these things are. I don't know. <laughs> I well, at, at that point, at that point, Chuck, you're not screwed. At, at that point, you just get a bushing made, uh, press these things out, whatever it takes, and get a bushing to press into your to your military wrap eye on the end true. of your leaf spring, yeah. and, and, you, and you're, you're back right. normal uh, at, that, at uh, that point. Still being able to use right. the shackles that you have and everything. Uh, although uh, the only thing I'd be worried about is the the space of the shackle and how much that's going to allow the the um, the leaf spring to then naturally want to rotate within that shackle, where ordinarily you would have. I mean that that spring wouldn't be any or the shackle wouldn't be any wider than that spring, and you almost get a bind yeah. in that point. So Chuck, how long is it going to be before you get this and get it installed? Are we are we talking weeks here, or will, will oh, God, we get a report no. back pretty soon? No, so I ordered them this week uh, on Monday, which uh, I guess that would be last week mm-hmm. for the for that when this show gets published. And he said six to eight weeks to custom make them, and then they'll ship them. Okay, so we're uh, we'll definitely be hearing more about this in the future as far as uh, installation yeah. and performance. And I talked to Lou. Uh, Lou is incredibly knowledgeable about Leaf Spring. He absolutely loves his product, and uh, he's the one that designed it. And uh, he stands behind it 100%. He actually goes out, goes wheeling with his son with this and uh, beats coilovers all day long. Oh, yeah. He says it's... Well, I think Greg Henderson's told us uh, how great leaf springs are. So... uh, Greg uses Alcan springs. Ah, okay. Now it's making sense. Uh, You may have known about it ahead of time, but it's certainly, if you heard it from Greg, that's uh, that's golden to me. All right. Well, we'll we'll be looking forward to hearing more about this on uh, future episodes. And, uh, listener, you need to keep listening so that you can find out uh, more about these uh, Alcan Orbit Eye uh, mounts for springs. What is it called? A mount, I guess. I get attached spring attachment, cool, uh, leaf spring. Yeah, attachment. and we'll have a we'll have a link in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. If you'd like to learn more, we'll go ahead and uh, and have that for you, so you can click that and check them out for yourself. Hey, and speaking of checking things out, be sure you check out the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. We've actually got some changes that we're uh, incorporating into the whole system, and it's going to make things even better. So head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter, which comes directly from us. And we're going to let you know about what's happening here on the Jeep Talk Show, who's going to be appearing on the show and when, what we're going to be giving away and when, all that kinds of inside information that really help you get the most out of the Jeep Talk Show. And also, it has the information about how you can join in on our Tuesday Roundtable episodes, which are a lot of fun. In fact, Chuck and I were going back and forth about this last Tuesday episode uh, just a little while ago before the show. A lot of fun, and we highly encourage you to join us as we record an episode every single Tuesday live around the uh, the world's biggest roundtable of nothing but Jeepers. Sound like fun? Sound like something you'd be interested in doing? Well, it's a blast, and we highly encourage you to do it. So head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and sign up for the newsletter today, and we'll see you at the next roundtable episode next Tuesday. And here to share this holiday cheer is Tony's favorite voice inside Josh's head, Richard Cranium Allswell Third. In the winter snow with a jolly old soul, Santa Claus rides in his trusty Jeep Gladiator hole. With a nod and a wink and a hearty ho-ho-ho, he spreads holiday cheer wherever he goes. His four-wheel drive takes him all over hills and through snow as he delivers presents with a say sleigh full in tow. The Jeep Gladiator, a rugged off-road machine, helps Santa Claus navigate the winter wonderland scene. Through snow-covered forests and across frozen lakes, the Jeep Gladiator conquers all without any shakes. A true off-road Santa with a heart of gold. In his trusty Jeep Gladiator, he never grows old. Spreading holiday cheer with a jolly old soul, Santa Claus and his Jeep Gladiator make a perfect team whole. You lost me at ho. (laughs) It's Christmas. Damn it. Oh. It, was, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> well, that's all the Jeep Talk Show there is for now, Jeeper. Until our next show, be sure to check out ratbaster.com. 
No, really, it's it's a thing. We no, it's ratbastard.lol. That's what it is. Ratbastard.lol. <laughs> no, it's it's this thing that we did, and you gotta see it. it seriously, just go check well, it out. Well, Mike Don't Zinn worry. has a, a video. We have a video up yes. on that Mike Zinn did talking about the the rat bastard thing. Oh, you get, yeah. definitely got to check it out. No, it's 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 safe for work, so you don't worry. You're not going to get. Is it exactly? Yes. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Okay, let's have some more fun with my voice and dialects or accent. Now, you already know my normal speaking voice, such as it is. But then we transition into a French accent almost at will and just as easily move into what can only be described as a very, <laughs> very bad Middle Eastern accent. But with just a twinge of the tongue, I fall into something you find on the back of a horse or perhaps sitting on a porch sipping a mint julep. Now you're talking my language down. I understand exactly <laughs> every word you say it. Every utterance coming out of your utter. I heard it and I understand. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Broadcasting since 2010. That was awesome, Josh. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Kudos. I love it.